We have a Shiloh for the Rav. Every Yontif starts the night before. That's the nature of the way it works. So the mitzvah to eat Erevim Kippur, did it start now? <laughs> it looks like the Eilam is a fest into that mitzvah. This whole thing started that I, I called Rav Chase, or I reached out, or whatever called means in this world, WhatsApp or something. And I said, you know, it's been four years since you graced these walls and these parents. Four years since the last time. And, you know, for the last four years, what we've been doing is chazering over what you taught us then. That's what we do every night. We just chazer over. That's it. It's time for uh, uh, another visit. Once Rabbi Tab said he's going to drive in from his busy schedule, one of the busiest people in the world, to share his wisdom and brilliance with us. I said, okay, let's get some other speakers, and we're going to make it a whole evening. And Baruch Hashem, it's, it's working out really well. It's all because of you. Okay. I don't think that an introduction is necessary. I just want to tell you my personal, my personal feelings. We're very lucky in Klal Yisrael. Lucky. Lucky. There's no such thing as luck. We're very, very lucky in Klal Yisrael that we have a wise, a wise man. There used to be in, in every shtetl, in every town, there was a wise man. You had a problem, you went to a wise man. You all know how many unwise people give advice. <laughs> I don't know if you all have the same mother-in-law or brother-in-law or it's different ones. If there's some kind of a, um, like a, a unit that they all, they sign. Okay. Now, now that we have relatives in crisis, we will now give un, unexperienced advice. And you have so many people in your lives who come to you and tell you the most awful things on a constant basis. And I always tell you, you should say to them, my dear brother-in-law, brother, mother, mother-in-law, whatever. I daven and I bench you, I bless you. You should never, ever be in this Nisayan. You should have wonderful kids who you can give rules and consequences to, and it works beautifully. And they say, thank you, Mommy. Thank you. I was so out of line last night, but you gave rules, boundaries, and consequences. Thank you, Daddy. I was going to go out dressed without a skirt on, and you reminded me, it's Nias. And all of a sudden, I had a flashback, and, and it works, and it's beautiful. I wish you should have, the biggest problem with your kids is, you know, how many years you're going to have to support them. But when you're dealing with kids who are going down, down emotionally, spiritually, in danger, I, I bless you people that you should never know. And it amazes us, all of us, how many people give advice. And I always say for those people, there's two eights, three eights, four eights. Do I hear five eights? First of all, we had the Raburi Zohar, that was here. And they said, but what about the Shekhinim? So he said, we have to concern ourselves with the Shekhinah, not the Shekhinim. The other advice that he gave us was similar to advice that I gave in the past. But... You go over to that person calmly and you say, I need, I need a favor. Could you lend me $25,000? And you'll never hear from them again. Every time they see you, they'll be avoiding you at a simcha, hi, from far away, and they have no more eitzes for you. Hmm? That's an eitz. Another eitz is that you could, if you, that doesn't work, right? If they lend you the money. So first of all, then you listen to them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> They're putting $25,000 in your pocket. Okay, maybe they know what they're talking about. But for those people, they give advice and they're, they're just vomiting advice all day about everything. That they're even willing to give advice on a Bikuach Nefer situation. You tell them, listen, I think you sound 
I think you're onto something. I hear what you're saying. Let the child know that this is not going to be tolerated. Oh, oh, very good, very good. We have rules and consequences, and I get it. I hear it. you're onto something. Could you just do me one favor? Sure, says the fake wise man. You know, you're listening to me. One favor is there's approximately, let's say, a few thousand people in this matziv. Could you just help five of them with your advice, and then I'll listen to you. But I can't try out your medicine on my kid who could die, Rahman al-Litzlan. Because in Klal Yisrael, this year and every year, Nebuch, we're losing at least one a day to suicide and overdose. And this is what we're up against. And even without the physical danger, how many did you bring back to Hashem that you have a right to an opinion? So we know what it's like. You parents always tell me the horror stories of the comments that you get from people who don't know how to help you. And all they really need to say is, I don't know how to help you, but I'm davening for you. And if you need anything at all, please don't hesitate to let me know. And it's so easy to be helpful. And, and Klai Show is great and wonderful. And we've learned this with physical illness. They will bring you supper for the rest of your life if anybody in the family is sick. Right? Can I get an amen? Oh, yeah. Amen. Can I get an umayn? Umayn. Right? Physical illness, they will balloons. Uncle Maishi is going to come and, and, and Mordechai and David and all, all the singers, they're going to come and sing for you. Can I get an amen? Okay. Kaleisol is wonderful, but they don't know what to do when they see that your kid's clothing is magically shrinking and their attitude is growing and they're on fire and they're angry and they're rebellious and there's a lot of cursing going on and there's a lot of dangerous things happening and Natsala and Shomrim, Baruch Hashem and our group, I think we really eradicated most of those or almost all. I would say 99% of those problems. But they, they don't know what to do so they shy away. So if this person has advice to you, say, listen, there's a crisis going on. You, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense, right? Put down rules, tell them if you're not home by 12 o'clock, we're going to lock. It sounds good. I don't need to be the test, uh, the test bunny. Please save five kids and I will come and listen to you. Five, I don't think five is too much to ask. So we've experienced a lot of the unwise men and I feel blessed that we have a wise man. We have a Rabbi Shays Taub who shares his wisdom every week with the world with wonderful Ami magazine and inspires people constantly and if for those of you who are on my chats I'm sending you stuff all the time because it's so refreshing so Rabbi Shastab I want to thank you for coming <laughs> nice to have you back and we're looking forward to some extra spicy wisdom for the Olam without further ado I present you okay thank you thank you Avi good to be back by the way, when, when I come here, I was expecting my Coke. What happened? You got rid of the Coke? Uh, special storage. <laughs> Thank you. All right. This is, this is one of the Minhogim. I'll tell the Coke store why, where it comes from. Oh, that's right. So did we ever reveal this? Avi has a, th- a theory why the Coke is on the table. Because when he went to 770 and he got a, a dollar from the Rebbe, he didn't realize he should have held on to it. He went straight to the store and he bought a Coke. <laughs> That's what he did. So the Coke is always on the table to represent the Rebbe's bracha. I but said, yeah. instead of holding on to it, 
You drank it. You internalized it. Oh, uh, so, me. <laughs> so you can see it's recognizable. Yeah. They don't know about that? Yeah, I, don't, I don't usually share that. But... <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know, okay? I didn't know. Nobody told me. So I, just took, I took another dollar. I put it up. Yeah, we have one here hanging. I appreciate it. But I took another dollar and I, I put a hundred instead. <laughs> and I wrote this is from there. Okay. Okay. So I'll, t- I'll tell you what I'm not going to, at least lechatchila, what I'm not going to talk about. Um, I'm not going to try to give any practical guidance about this. Sugya, because this this is the place already where you have so much clarity and so much uh, guidance. So I don't want to rehash, at least not lechadchila. I don't know. Maybe if people want, if you want to talk about, it, we can talk about it. But I don't want to rehash things that you have here laid out so clearly for you already. Um, I just want to offer a thought um, a Yim Kippur thought maybe to help everyone to get into the right mood to enter Yim Kippur and uh, I think so one of the things I told this group last time I don't know how many people here now were here last time but I think one of the things I mentioned was that the the things that happen here, uh, the way that this group speaks, the the level of Amuna, the level of Avasisro, you guys aren't like Nebach, you know, the, these are the these are the people they didn't exactly make it, you know, this the Bidiyavid, they're the, the stragglers. I know that's how it feels a lot of times when when other people look at you. But I, like I said last time, and I firmly believe, you know, this actually is the ideal halavai that every group of frumayidin would get together, and when they'd speak about life, they would speak with the with the amuna and the betochen <clears throat> and the and the, and the that you guys come to take for granted because. It just becomes the air that you breathe. So, this is a this is a group that's very masugal to understand concepts that, unfortunately, most people don't understand or find it very difficult to understand. So, I want to talk about Yim Kippur on a very lofty level, but. I don't think it'll be that hard for this group to, to hop what I'm saying. And then maybe, maybe, maybe you could do two things with this idea. One is, you could think about it during Yom Kippur, just to, to be mechazik yourself. But also, maybe you'll find an opportunity to share this idea with somebody else. With somebody else who doesn't, Baruch Hashem, have to learn it by going through what you've gone through. They didn't Thank God, they like like Avi said. Like I, uh, when even when the nudniks come with their bad advice, you want to bench them and say, "I'm happy for you. You don't know, and you should never know." Ain chochem kabal You should never be a bal to have to have the the chokhmah. 
They say the difference between school and life is that in school they give you a lesson and then you take the test. And in life you take the test and that's how they give you the lesson. So, there's no one as wise as someone who's learned from difficult experience. But at any rate, I want to share a concept with you that maybe you could share with somebody who didn't go through this, who wasn't forced to look at things from a more elevated perspective, but maybe you'll find the right words and uh, you'll be able to convey it to them. Basically, this is the idea. This is a simple concept. That Yom Kippur is the day when we get clarity about what a Jew really is. When all the distraction, all the, the confusion about the true identity of this Jew just falls away and it becomes very clear who the Jew really is. And who is the Jew? We'll get into a little bit of Kabbalah here. You have five levels of the, of the soul. You have the nefesh. The nefesh is spiritual energy that a- animates your actions. Then a little bit higher than that, you have the ruach. That's a spiritual energy that animates your emotions. Emotions are obviously more lofty than actions, more intangible. Then you have a level called neshama. That's a spiritual energy that animates the seichel, the mind. Then you have an even higher level called uh, chaya. And that's also a spiritual energy. And that enlivens something even loftier then action and emotion and, and intellect, it animates a person's, uh, their amuna, their sense of mesiras nefesh, um, lofty things, spiritual things. And uh, in fact, it's so lofty that technically, whatever this means, because we're not talking about physical things, <clears throat> but it's not in the body, it sort of hovers around the body. And then there's the fifth level, which is called Yechida. And Yechida comes from the word Yochid, which means that it's together with, and it's one with Hashem Himself. And that's the essence of the Jew. Now, when you do something wrong, and you cause damage to yourself, so that that damages one of those levels, or or many of those levels of nefesh, ruach, neshama, even, even chaya. <clears throat> but the level of yechida cannot become damaged because the, the, the very definition of yechida is it's one with Hashem. So that as mind-boggling as this is, even at the moment of an Aveda, even at the moment of an Aveda, the yechida is untouchable. It can't, it can't be blemished. It can't be tarnished. Now, it's being subject to, it's being schlepped along a very painful experience because it's witnessing what the nefesh, ruch, neshama, chaya are being subject to. But it's, it's untouchable. Nothing can tarnish it. 
Now, did anyone see the little video I sent out with the rug cleaning? You saw the rug cleaning? Did you, did you, did you send it? You posted it. it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Everybody saw it. Okay. The whole world saw it. So the rug cleaning video, that was to explain the difference between forgiveness and atonement. Or uh, you can call it slicha and kapara. So forgiveness is, I'm going to repeat, it was a 90-second video, so... Somebody ruins a rug. They step on the rug and they stain the rug and the, you can't even see the pattern from the rug because it's so so uh, dirty. And the person who owns the rug, you love the person who owns the rug, and, and, and they love you and they tell you, you know what, I forgive you. It's okay that you ruined the rug. I'm not going to punish you. I'm not going to make you buy me a new one. It's fine, no problem. In fact, I'm not even going to mention it. Don't worry. I forgive you. But every time you walk in the room, you see how the rug is so dirty and it's embarrassing. They forgave you, but it doesn't undo the damage. Kapara, or in English we call it atonement, which is actually one of those few words in English that is etymologically so correct, so accurate. The word atonement in English, A-T-O-N-E-M-E-N-T, is actually at one mint. At one mint. Such a accurate description of what atonement is. There's a level <clears throat> where you were always one with Hashem. Even in the moment of rebellion, you were one with Hashem. Your true identity never changed. Your essence never changed. And uh, when that level is revealed... So then all the other levels sort of fall in line. And all the damage that was done on the other levels, nefeshuch, neshama, chayat, they get wiped away, they get erased. Or the mashal with the rug, it's like the rug is clean again. And now you walk in the room and not only does the person <clears throat> forgive you for what you did, but the damage is undone. You walk in, you see a clean rug. Ah, beautiful. Everything is restored. Everything is made right again. The truth is, I don't know how to convey it in the mashal, but the rug is better than new. It's even better than before. So that is the mechanics of kapata. That is how kapata works for anyone, for any Jew on Yom Kippur. How does kapata work? If you ask them, well, how does it work? How does it work? Here's how it works. That whatever you did through the year to damage these different soul levels, that has to be dealt with. But there's a core, there's an essence of, of who you are, which is one with Hashem. It's always one with Hashem. It's untouchable. It is impervious to any type of, of damage. And uh, on Yom Kippur, what happens is that real you that's usually buried deep down, that comes out, and everything else falls into line with that and becomes like that, and then all the other levels also become as clean and pure and pristine as the Yechida always was. And that's why 
normally a regular day, a Jew prays three times. Because we can access, through Shachas Min we can access Nefesh Ruch Nesham. Then we have special days, like a Rishchedesh, Yom Tov, Shabbos, we have a Musaf. So we have a fourth prayer, we can access the level of Chaya. But only one day a year do we daven five times. We have a Ni'ilah, which is a fifth prayer. And we're able to access the, the Yechidah. Okay. So that's a, I mean, maybe even people have heard this before. Maybe this is not a chiddush. But my point to you is this. The whole premise for how the day of Yom Kippur works, the whole premise for how Kapoda actually functions is based on a belief that every single Jew at all times, no matter what, Deep, deep down, even if on the external levels is behaving in the exact opposite way, but deep, deep down, in their essence, always remains completely not only connected to God, but one with God. So, could, could there be a message that's more needed not just in this room, starting from this room, yeah, but also emanating to our entire community. Could there be a message, a message that's more needed than this message that people should understand that no matter what happens, a Jew is always connected to Hashem. And if you don't believe that, then explain to me how your Yom Kippur even works. <laughs> if you don't believe that, then how does Yom Kippur work? What are the five tefillahs? What's the whole thing? The whole concept of Yom Kippur only works because of this concept. Now I'll tell you a little bit more. This idea that basically Yom Kippur is your true essence coming out is, is connected with the idea that um, basically there's doing and there's being. And in, in an ideal situation, your doing and your being are, are aligned. So your actions are not a betrayal of yourself. That means if you are a Jew, you are one with Hashem, and in an ideal healthy state, your actions, what you do, what you're doing, your actions that you're doing should also be one with Hashem. And how do you know your actions are one with Hashem? You have something called a Shulchan Aruch, and you look it up, and you make sure that everything you're doing is according to Ratzon Elyeh, as expressed in Torah. However, even if chas v'shalom, a Jew's doing, is not aligned with Ratzon Elyon, he's not chas v'shalom doing what Torah tells him to do, his being remains what it is. His being, who is he? Afa pishachota, Yisrael, who? That's who he is. See, that, that doesn't change. So chota is what he did. Yisrael is who he is. That didn't change. So... If that's the concept, that it's about your being as opposed to your doing, that's why actually there is such a concept of itsumai shalyeim mechaper. 
that the essence of the day or the day itself brings about atonement. Meaning to say that at least from one perspective, on Yim Kippur, you don't have to do anything. Now, that's not la lacha. Okay, I want to explain. That's not... There's a machlekes... Um, Rabbi Yehuda Anasi and the Chachamim, Gemara in Shvuos. But at least according to Rabbi, Rabbi's reliable, right? I mean, at least I'm saying on a level of drush. I'm not saying the halacha, but I'm saying there's a concept here. Elu elu There's a Atana called Yehuda Anasi said that the concept of etzumai shalye mechaper is expressed in the fact that even those who do nothing, and he expressly says, those who are not shavim, they do not do teshuva, the day will still work. Because you don't have to do anything, you just have to be. Okay, that's not the halacha. I'm just saying, there's a concept, according to Rabbi, that even those who don't do teshuva, Yim Kippur doesn't need your help. You, you don't have to help it along. You don't have to do anything. There's no pu'ula required here to get Yim Kippur to do what it does. You know why? Because Yim Kippur is about revealing your Yechidah Shabbat your essence. And it's about revealing who you are, who you've always been, who you were all along, who you always will be, no matter what you say, no matter what you protest, no matter what type of shocking actions you do to try to prove to me that you aren't who I know you really are. Yim Kippur atones by bringing that out. So, who needs your help? <laughs> who needs you to do anything? Now, the halacha is, according to the Chachamim, that you do have to do stuff so that your doing should be aligned with your being. So your actions, your nafesh, ruch, neshama, chaya, should be consistent with your yichidah. So you should, you should act Yim Kippur deck as well. Okay, fine. But I'm just saying, from a conceptual point of view, the, the very fact that there's such a concept, such a deya in Torah, is, is something that we have to, we have to stop and think about. Basically, Yehuda Nasi is saying that there's such a concept that there comes one day a year, Achas Bashana, where all you have to do is be you. And that's it. And that, according to Yehuda Nasi, is how, how the kapara works for everyone, even the tzaddikim. That's how kapara works for them. On their level, well, however, they need their kapara, whatever little averalach uh, that they did. That's how kapara works for everyone. So I think this is an important concept. And I said this the last time I was here, I believe, and I'll say it again, that we are not Jewish because we do mitzvahs. We do mitzvahs because we are Jewish. We don't be because of what we do. That's not how it works. That's a complete reversal of cause and effect. 
The doing is an expression of your being. And yes, obviously, no kidding, the most healthy state for a Jew to be in is where your doing is aligned with your being and everything you're doing is according to Torah. And that's obviously the, the ideal and that's the goal. And when somebody is healthy, that it's pretty easy actually to, to behave that way. But what we have to realize is that even in a, in, in a case, God forbid, where someone is not doing what they ought to be doing, that doesn't change who they are. Doesn't change who they are. And the only reason that Kapoda works for anyone, even for the people who barely did one Aveda, the only reason Kapoda works for those guys is because what we explained, that even when they did their one little Aveda that they did this year, what they did didn't change for a moment who they always were and are and will be. And the same thing, no matter how many Avedas somebody does, that doesn't change who they were and who they are and who they always will be. So Yom Kippur is a day when we're supposed to appreciate the essence of a Jew and that the essence of a Jew is unchangeable. You cannot change it. You cannot make a Jew more Jewish or less Jewish. Behaviors can be more or less Jewish. Obviously, there are behaviors that are Torah-dick and behaviors that are not. Obviously. And that's why we have a Torah, to, to dictate with what those behaviors are. But the essence, the core identity of the Jew is a oneness with Hashem that nothing can change. No Aveda can touch it. And that's the only reason that anyone's kapata works. That's the only reason that anyone's kapata works. And if you don't believe that the kid who is eating on Yim Kippur, God forbid, is still just as Jewish as the, the Shliach Tzibur in your shul, or whoever gets Mafter Yena, or whatever other honorable people that you uh, rub shoulders with on Yim Kippur. If you don't believe that the kid who's uh, at the mall or driving or eating on Yim Kippur, if you don't believe that they are just as Jewish as the guy in the Kittel who's... who's uh, singing away Kol Nidre, then tell me how the Kapoda even works. I don't understand how the Kapoda even works. The only way the Kapoda works for anyone is that no matter what we do, it doesn't change who we are. And on Yom Kippur, that's the day to become aligned with who we are, to be reminded of who we are. So I, I think that people from this room, like I said, in Chochem Kabbal Nesayin, have a special opportunity maybe to help other people have a more meaningful Yim Kippur, to explain to them what Kapara is. Not just Slicha, not just it's okay you ruined the rug, but the, the, the idea that the rug can be made perfect again, and on some level, the rug was perfect the whole time. Okay, that's just, that's a thought. Little Yim Kippur thought to to ponder. You ever heard uh, about the Yim Kippur in Petersburg, Russia? 
in 1836, I think it was. Tversky just mentioned I didn't hear it from him, so he stole it from me, most probably. No, actually, I didn't say it publicly. Yeah, okay. What did I say? Great minds think alike. Yeah, there was a story. They told about the Itchel of Olajner and the no, Tzemach Tzadik. No, he didn't? No, he didn't. What did he say? <laughs> you watch it on YouTube. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's the story. Tell us the whole story. No, that's the story, basically. No, he probably knows the story better than I do. No, that's the story that uh, the Itchel of Olajner and the Tzemach Tzadik were in Petterberg for Sifa uh, Sarabonim. They wanted to make changes regarding, I think, about Jewish education. It was during the whole Cantonist uh, Parsha. And it was that's the story. They made a shul in, in Petterberg, and that's where they davened. They davened with the. Huh? Yeah, I, I, I saw different endings of the story. I'm not sure how true they are, so I hesitate to to tell it. To say the best ending. The best ending? Yeah, you like mean how it, limit yourself. How it should truth. have happened? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, if, as long as we're going down that route, you know, like <laughs> there was a car chase, an explosion, it was Gavaldic. No, I wasn't going to tell a whole story, but I was just going to say that um, you have a you have a, a room full of people who were not uh, keeping very much of Yiddishkeit because of very painful, disruptive circumstances that were not their own choosing, and. Uh, if you tell a story like this in probably any shul, this Yim Kippur, everyone's going to be very moved by it. And I just think it's interesting that for some reason people get it when you tell them that there were little kids who were... Uh, forced into 20 years of military conscription and then, then they had hoppers, they had, they had Jews who would go and find Jews, Jewish children who were hiding and they would, the army and they would be beaten and I think everybody is very moved by that kind of stuff. And they, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't even, they wouldn't even question it like, oh, you see, the Tzamech Tzadik, Lubavitch Rebbe, the Tzamech Tzadik, and the Rebbe Itchel of Elojana, the son of Rebbe Chaim Velojana, that's where they davened. They davened with, with these people. Of course they did. It's funny to me. You could get away with that story, but uh, if you told them that during your Hafsaka, when you came home from Shul, you sat down and you talked to your kid who's not fasting, who's not keeping Yom Tif, but they were willing to sit down and talk to you and they had a pleasant conversation with you. Why is that not a cool story? Why is that not, not like the Tzemach Tzedek in the Rebbe Chilavalash and they're davening with the continents? But you can't tell that story. No one's going to get excited about it. They're on oh, Nabuch, oh, poor you. That's what you did. I wouldn't even go home if that would be. I just wouldn't. May I? Yeah. I say this over all the time, but now that we're holding Erev Yom Kippur, this is a story I heard from Rabbi Avram Shor Shlita Zazayin Gazunt on the yard side of the basis of the Gerebbe. 
And I just feel that you said a uh, Lubavitcher Rebbe, and then you said uh, Velazhin sounds Litvish. We got to throw Garen a little bit. <laughs> so I just want to toss it in. But I think the story is amazing, and, and every time I hear it, I feel more and more like connected to what, what is wrong with my brain that I would never do this. So he, he was, before he was Rebbe in Poland, the Beisisro, who became the Beisisro, who became the Ger Rebbe, and everybody knows his Sharfkeit, his holiness. Nobody more sharp and holy than the Ger Rebbe, the Beisisro. And there's a Havsaka in Ger. That's why I'm a Ger Chassid. You get, you got a good Havsaka. And he was outside and he sees a Yid, a Machal Shabbos. Now ask yourselves, what would you do? And, we think, you know, if you're not so holy, then you go, hey, Joe, what's up? But if you're really holy, then, oh, how can I look at it? It's the holiest I am ever going to be is on Yom Kippur. So for sure, I'm not going to be able to look at him and greet him. And the Beis Yisrael went over to him and started schmoozing. Schmoozing and schmoozing. How are you? What's doing? No sharfkeit. And this is the first lesson. Sharp lines, sharp lines, criticism, Everything we do is only if it works. So the Beisra was very sharp. He said many things to people. I have many, many stories. I, I, I know a, a guy went into him from Borough Park, and um, he came into the Beisra, and they said, what's your name? He said, my name is Rabbi. I don't want to say the guy's name. You know, and in Gerd, it's not like, they, even old people, they call him Tzvayingalat, two young guys. Like, nobody gets called Reb, and he was like, I'm Rabbi, whatever. So he went out of the shtib, out of the th- room. He went to the bismedish. He knocked on the bima. Do you know who's here? Rabbi, you know, whatever. Because, like, you know, I get calls. I get calls from Gedalim. Rib Shmuel Kamenetsky, Shiva calls me. And he, he says, hi, this is Shmuel Kamenetsky from Philadelphia. Like, I don't know any other Shmuel Kamenetskys. But, and then I get, like, young schnook rabbis. <laughs> this is Rabbi Moshe Goldershavich. You know, I'm like, chill. You know, chill with the title. Okay. No offense, but you know, I know what you did. You, you, you're a rabbi. I got it. Anyway, so the, what would we do? We would feel like I'm so holy. I don't have time. I don't have time. Today, I don't have time. Today, every minute is precious. I'm either going to go to sleep so I can have kayak or I'm going to say to Hillel or I'm, but schmooze with a Michal Shabbos. Maximum, I'll be like, hi, how you doing? Busy. Got to go. Maybe if I don't curse the guy out out of holiness, right? So maybe I, but we all know how to do that. Or kicknish, kicknish with the kids. Don't look, you know. We don't want the kids to see this. Maybe I'll be nice to him. Maybe I'll say, you know, I'd love to see you. I, I didn't see you in so long. I'm a little busy now. Can we speak tonight? Can we speak tomorrow? How about we go out to eat? Anything wrong with that? Fine. They just all schmoozed with him and schmoozed with him. Listen to this. Ilumale, if I didn't hear it, my own eyes from Ram Shor, Shlita, I would never believe it. He schmoozed till after Yom Kippur. He missed Mincha. He missed Ni'ila. He missed Marv. He gave up his whole rest of Yom Kippur to schmooze with him because maybe if I'm going to just schmooze, what did he schmooze about? It wasn't about Musr, it wasn't Tyra. Schmoozing, what's doing? How's it going? What's your job? Pleasant. As if it's a Tuesday. Schmoozed with him. Why? Because maybe then I'll develop a relationship, and maybe through that I can I can bring him back home. My father, after the war, was away from he was by the Imriamis in Poland as a garabocha, with, with the whole everything, and then twenty something years later he went back to Eretz Yisrael for the first time. He met the base Yisrael, 
And he went to Gezegen, to say goodbye to the Beis Yisrael, 20 years later, a clean-shaven businessman. And he told the Beis Yisrael, you know, you go, you go in to say hello, and it was the first time you saw him. And then he went to say goodbye, and he said, I'm coming to say goodbye. He said, It's time to go home. Beis Yisrael looked at him and said, it is about time that you come back home. Like, and he reeled him back in. He knew how to say what to say. But when someone is going to get rejected from your words or from your sharfkeit, there was a story, one guy, you know, everybody was wearing a spadik and he didn't have a spadik on. So he put on a, a put on a spadik and when he passed by, he said, good job, good job, good job, good job, good job, good job. Nothing got past him and he was very sharp and he knew how to dig it in and he, you know, the story with the tea, with the hot tea, tons of stories. You don't no, you don't mess with him. But only if that's going to ultimately bring you close. Not much sharp and angry or piercing eyes to destroy you, only because that's going to motivate you. And this guy wouldn't have motivated. Imagine you go in Yom Kippur and you or Shabbos and you see a kid smoking and you're going to give him that's going to make him smoke more. So what did he do? He schmoozed. He gave up. Is mincha, is ni'ila? You can't be mashlum ni'ila. Mincha, what are you going to do? How many shmanesses do you make after? You make marav, you make bichidas, and then you do a mincha. I don't think you could do it. And you give up those, the holiest moments of the year. Was it an upgrade or a downgrade? He looked at it as an upgrade. Hashem is giving me a chance, someone's drowning, to save them potentially. Like the Zayar Kaddish says, it's a mitzvah, the biggest mitzvah, to be ishtadl, to try, learn the Zayar Kaddish, Parashat Truma, that we all learn in the training. It wasn't a downgrade. Before he was nifter, he was very sick. And he told someone, this is one avaira, quote-unquote, one sin, that I never had charata doing. I never regretted that sin from many years ago. And then he added, even though I didn't accomplish anything. If I would tell you I gave up my Yom Kippur, like the famous story of Rabbi Ronnie Greenwald, a beautiful story, they, they went to a hotel program, and then right before Kol Nidre, a, a car pulled up with a bunch of ex-from kids who were looking to run away from Yom Kippur, so they went to some random hotel, I think in Piscataway, New Jersey or something, turns out there was a Yom Kippur program there, and as they walked in, and they already paid, so they're stuck, and there's like... The last thing in the world they expected to see was a bunch of Jewish people with Machzayim and Talaisim. And Rabbi Ronnie Greenwald, I could say, a legendary, spent most of his Yom Kippur outside of shul, schmoozing with them while they were eating and they were drinking beers and they were going swimming, boys and girls, in order to create a connection to bring them back. So if I gave up my Yom Kippur when I was 30, when I was 100, I said, let me introduce you. To Deire Deiris that came back from that investment, children, Enikoch, Irenikoch, Atoizen to like Rabbi said, every time you're working on a Jew, you have to look at him as a thousand. You bring him close, you're bringing a thousand offspring close. Because his father came here after the Holocaust alone. And when his father passed away, there was a thousand offspring. He told me, and I saw it was printed recently, he told me, Avi pointed at me, Atoizen you're nice to a Jew, you're being nice to a thousand offspring. You're merachek, what are you doing here? How come you do this? Don't come here, don't be here. You're being merachek, rejecting a thousand neshamas. That's how important our work is that we're doing. So I would say, look at these thousand people I brought back. It was a good investment. Everybody, Psh, sure, he gave up five hours of him kippah. He didn't get the account. And he said, I still don't regret it because we're not here to live for ourselves. We're here to save 
And he saved many, and we will save many, your kids and your kids' friends. But you have to have the right perspective. Hashem was sending him an opportunity. Hashem was sending him a chance. And you get schar, and look at the Zayar Kaddish for trying, and the Shmira for your children and grandchildren. That's what we're, what we're doing over here. We're trying, trying, trying to bring back the lost souls and to realize the opportunity. And if you do it all year, you could take him Kippur off. It's okay. But we have to do it all year. Friday night, everybody should go outside to the parks, to the lakes. That's where they are. There's a thousand of them. There's a hundred thousand of us. But we shouldn't be angry at them. We should sing with them and hug them. We'll solve the problem. Okay. I want to say one more thing, and then we're going to go back to the Rabbi Shea's tab show. I, I got to share this, because somebody sent this to me, and I just... It's one of those things you just got to say. You got to share. It's in the Sefer Ben Nesiva Rabbi Seinu about the Nesiva Shalom. Do you ever hear? I, never, I don't know if anybody out did I ever mention Nesiva Shalom. It was a Slana Marabba. He wrote his father a letter. He ended up in Israel, and his father was still back. Nabuch, he was his father was killed. Shemin Kamdamov, Ramosha Avram Barzovsky. So he wrote his father a letter. In his first Kufa, when his first got to Eretz Yisrael, and he said that. There was terrible problems with the Arabs in Tveria. Many Jews were killed and were, were maimed. And there was terrible, and he, and, he, and he went ahead by Arichus at length describing the blood that was being shed in Israel and Palestine in those days from the Arabs. And he ended up off his letter and he wrote to his father, And we have nobody else to rely on. Right? We say, Raka Lavinu Shabashamayim. He said, Ela, Ela, only Avinu Shabashamayim. His father was a big tzaddik. His father ended up dying al Kiddush Hashem. His father was a big, big tzaddik, and there's a whole section that talks about his godless. But his father wrote back the letter, and he said, I read your letter, and I saw at the end you wrote, Ein lanu lihishayin Ela alavinu Shabashamayim. He says, that's true, but that's, that's with a nigun of atzvus. I have, I'm giving up on life. We have nobody to rely on except Hashem. It's a nigun of atzvus. He says, no, it should be with a nigun of simcha. Baruch Hashem, yesh lanu amili hishayin. Alavinu shebashamayim. When, when parents come here and we've hit rock bottom, we give up with yosh. We say, ein lanu amili hishayin. Ela alavinu shebashamayim. And I think we have to have the attitude that was taught to us by the father of the Nesiva Shalom. It looks horrible. It looks difficult. But yesh lanu amili hishayin. We have who to rely on. We have a right to rely on Hashem. You are taking care of Hashem's children. Mommy, daddy, and Hashem. Three shutvim. You're doing your job. And we ask Hashem to do, so to speak, His job and protect them. And we see a shmira el on our kids, Baruch Hashem. And Hashem sees the Messiah's nefesh that you're doing for his neshama that he sent to you. And we should have a nigun of simcha. Baruch Hashem. Yesh lanu amili hishoyin alavinu shabashamayim. I, I, I mean, you want me to make stuff up? You, you told me that they can talk. They, they, you're going to let them have the floor. The question, so I, we had... To <laughs> 
The main, there are, there are, there are lots of different questions. Now is not a training. We talk about what to do. You know what to do. There are questions about what about the siblings? The siblings, we have uh, hours and hours and hours and, you know, of, of the siblings and, there are questions that come up from time to time that bother parents. Not technical what to do, because that we know, Baruch Hashem, and siblings, I meet the families, and okay, Baruch Hashem. One of the, the real difficult, difficult questions that was posed, and I, I'm saying it with, with trepidation, because it is a very difficult, um, hold on, it is a difficult sugya. We are trying to support our kids, our kips in pain, kids in pain, and show genuine acceptance. Because otherwise we will not have a relationship with them, which everyone understands is terrible for their chances to recover. And what we're doing is different maybe than a lot of places in the world, but I really believe that we are accomplishing that lehoiv oisam b'yoyser that the Baal Shem Tov spoke about, because your kids are crazy about you and you're crazy about them and it's inside and it's working. And we accomplished this, like I told you, Geshen Edelson Shlita, through supplying even the bad stuff that we would not want our kids to be doing under Das Taira, under my experience. Fine. But we're used to like, you know, buying the clothing that we want them to wear. We're used to supplying and supporting the behavior we want them to have. And now we have like a chemo treatment for cancer. We have a radiation. We don't poison kids, but for Ahmadu Litzlan, for a cancer, we do chemo. How does it feel? Horrible that you're sticking a needle in Rahmanul Islam in a child's arm to give him chemo which could kill him, but in order to kill the cancer, it feels horrible. How does it feel now that all of a sudden I gotta I gotta restore that relationship of Ahavas Nefesh? I wanna say your story just to bring, to show the world what people can do. His son had had a had an attack, like many of your kids. And and sometimes there's violence. And the son went ahead and he with his hands, Nabuchi, he punched the wall, he broke the wall. In Home Sweet Home, I had many holes. What does a loving father say? A regular father says, what are you, crazy? Which I never understood. Yeah. <laughs> You're breaking walls. I, I think you don't need a prescription. You don't need a diagnosis. Like yelling at the kid for acting. He's in so much pain in his head that he's breaking the walls with his hands. It's not doing it for fun. He's in tremendous pain. And if, again, it's the biggest he said is if it was a physical illness that was hurting the kid and he was punching the wall, would you care about your wall? You'd care about the amount of pain that this kid is going through, that this kid who you know growing up, you knew him, is in so much pain, right? A lot of kids looking around the room here. We've had our fair share of violent kids before, before TP. He bought his son a gift with a card. And he said, please, if you ever have to break something, use this. It was a hammer. Use this so you shouldn't hurt your knuckles. I don't want you to hurt yourself. We, we would do that naturally to somebody who's taking medication for cancer or for disease or, or stuff, and it makes them crazy, which happens from physical illness, and they're, they're banging their head in the wall, and, 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 and where they're punching the wall or they're breaking stuff. We have a family here that the kid took all, like literally broke all, there was glass everywhere. All the glass was broken in the crib of the baby. There was little bits of glass. 
And if you're worried about your glass and you're worried about your paintings and your wall, when your kid is having a total meltdown and could kill himself or someone else or end up God knows where, then you're missing the boat. And this, this bus of Adam, flesh and blood, rose to, 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 to a level of being an angel. What does that do for the child? He's like, wow, my, my parents care about me. They see, they understand. They understand I'm not schlecht, I'm not bad, I'm not anti-wall. And I have parents, and that's what you're doing. You're giving your kids parents. But how could we really, truly <coughs> support the things that go against everything we believe in without an agenda and truly mean it? I'm looking around the room. Everybody knows their level. If you're a black belt, if you're on the way to being a TP black belt, or if you're stomach con man, I know. <laughs> you know. Women stop looking at your husbands. Husbands stop looking at you. you. Hear what he said? You know, and you know who else knows how well you're doing at real TP? Your kids. They know. They know how. Before you open your eye, <laughs> I just said this recently. I have to say it again. So I gave a schmooze once a long time ago, a speech, and I said, "Your vibe is huge. Your vibe." Your vibe is huge. Uh, how, well, before you open your mouth, they know, are you for me or are you against me? I have a whole speech about that. Because if they know your heart is with them, it's not what you say and you shouldn't be saying. You don't need to say. People trying to be of these kids with words are using the least successful method. They don't need words. You need your heart. Like Rahman Alibabai, right? Your vibe is huge. Your vibe. And other parents, you could say the nicest things. You could write, you can go to Hallmark and get, you could have someone write it up for you. You can give it. They know how you feel. You're embarrassed of me and, and, and you're disappointed that I'm your child and, and, and a lot of kids, Nabuch in this world, they think that their parents are singing a new song. Sad, painful. That's what they think the parents are saying. This is not, I don't know, like Amazon returns. What? Either right, and and instead of realizing the kid has cancer, emotional cancer is in pain, is struggling, darkness, and and like you like you're doing, and I'm with them, they're on the out. So I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about you're doing everything. How can I mean it? How do I how do I mean that I'm? And it's easy if it's not your kid, it's easy. You go outside, Maishi, nice new ring, nice new tongue ring. You look great. It's easier. You know it's the right thing to do. And it's okay because you don't, you don't have the pain, but the parents have so much pain and, and you, you can't lie. You need to pass a lie detector test. You need to stop seeing exterior and only see neshama. You need to stop seeing behavior that you don't approve of, which they don't want to be doing because they were thrown into this crazy world. And as soon as you give them this medicine, you see kids coming back, right? Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. And we have over 150 kids already. Shemitah, by all of you. And hundreds of kids are on the way, and no kids, I think, no. I don't even think 1% anti. Do we have any anti? You hear the stuff that's going on out there, the anti, with the, the, the different organizations out to rip up. We don't have that. Not our kids. But how, especially in the beginning, how do I do it naturally to, to become this, this, this thing that I need to become for my kid? To, to do radiation heat therapy on the inner think of my kid, while my kid is eating on Yom Kippur, while my kid is, is, is whatever the example is, how do I do that? And that's the, the, the focus that we'd like to do for the remaining time that we have, to hear wisdom on how, no pressure, 
how how could we do that? Now, I just want to see a show of hands. How many of you feel that you're there, that you're doing it? Don't be shy. Please raise your hands. The black belts, people that your kids know that you really, mamish, you love them. Just raise your hands. This is Avoidus Hashem. 90%. Okay, you're new. You should be at 30%. You're there. You're there. I didn't ask you how much you're doing TP. You don't do TP. You live it. You breathe it. I asked you, how much is your kid, when he thinks of you, I'll say one, one more thing. I'm giving you a chance to come up with a really good answer. <laughs> I'll keep talking until you're ready. <laughs> I'm not thinking. I'm still listening. What does your kid think when he sees your image? So those of you who raise the hands, first of all, I don't want to forget. All of you, don't feel bad. They worked very hard to get there. And really, the answer besides what Rabbi Taub is going to teach us, and, and, and I have, I struggle giving the answer. Ask them what they did. A lot of it is a mata isakein ashecha. You have to just throw yourself in and do it and do it. And when you, when you do those gifts and you start shopping those stuff and, and the, the Rev Dessler says the sherish of ahava is have to give and you're giving and you're bombing and you see that smile and you see the eyes sparkle. You see the light in the eyes that you haven't seen for a few years. It just works. It just happens. Okay. But we're going to look for a more deeper way from Rabbi Tao. So while he's thinking, I'm going to say one last thing. What do they think of when they think of your face? Do they think, does that vision give them chilas? Or does that vision make them want to give up? He thinks I'm a loser. He thinks I'm a letdown. She thinks I'm a loser. I'm a letdown. I'm the, 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 the you know all this stuff because you once, most of you felt it. In between is fine. But the kid's going to die unless he can look at, look up and see your vision. They're facing this sinus to live. They're facing this sinus mental illness and problems. And even spiritually, if I was them, why do they even try? We're all trying to block out all the stuff. They're out there and they come back. But they need your help because the Nisayan is too great for them. Who else had that problem? That the Nisayan was too big for them? Ah, some people listen. Yosef HaTzadik in Mitzrayim, the Medrash says he was doomed. It was over. The Nisayan was stronger than him. He would never have been Yosef HaTzadik. Wouldn't be Schusa de Yosef and all those things that we say. He was over because he could only fight a 250-pound guy. And here, this was a 500-pound guy with a gun. Couldn't do it. Even a black belt in karate. Couldn't do it. The Nisayan was bigger. That's what the Medrash says. So how did he do it? Says the Nesiva Shalom. Open your hearts. In the chapter before, they told his father, give up on Yosef. Yosef is gone. How many of you told, were told by your friends and family and some other people, give up on your kid. You had nine, so now you have eight. Have nachas from the ones that you ha- that are towing the line. Painful. And a lot of parents do give up because nobody teaches them that it doesn't need to be that way. I don't blame them either. They don't have the right advice. They don't have good advice. And Yaakov Avinu says, He says, no, I refuse to give up on him. No, I can't give up on him. No, what do you mean? They brought all the son-in-laws and the daughter-in-laws. And they said, look, you have a beautiful family. You're going to have Darius. You're the father of Klal Yisrael. Look ahead. Millions. All of this is going to come from you. Everything we are is from Yaakov Avinu. I can't give up on my boy. 
He's a teenager. He's 17 years old. He's, he's messed up. He's over. He's gone. Leave him alone. I refuse to give up on my kid. He didn't just refuse to give up on him, his Gashmias, that he's alive. He refused to give up on him. He was his pride and joy. I refuse to give up that he's not going to be Yosef HaTzadik. One chapter later, Yosef is facing a Nisayan that's bigger than him. He sees Dmust Yuchnoi Shel Avi. And what does it say? Vayimoin. It says in the Shalom. The Kayach to refuse to succumb to the Nisayan came because he had a father that refused to give up on him. They're doing drugs, they're doing avarice, they're doing everything. You have to be the one who refuses. I will not give up on my kid. They're going to make it. And they're going to come back. And they're going to give you nachas. And they're going to be healthy and, and, and support you one day. They're going through darkness that we can't even imagine and fathom or dream possible 30 years ago. Vayimoin. Vayimoin tati. Vayimoin mami. Vayimoin abba and vayimoin daddy. So you're all covered. Vayimoin ima. And that's what they need in order to overcome their, their nisyanis, their challenges that are greater than them. And you have to make sure that when they envision your face, you're giving them the energy to win, physically to stay alive, emotionally to get healthy, and to fight their pain and darkness and psychiatric issues and mental anguish, tiriftas, all of that. You're their energy. And in Ruchnius, it's the only way back. Because Chas Shalom, if they're in that dark space, and they see your vision, and they think, oh, he thinks I'm a loser. Lights out. Their Kayach comes from your Kayach to give up on them. Okay. I'll just add to that, by the way, that you mentioned Yesav Tzadik seeing the vision of his father. There's a, there's a double meaning to that. You mentioned the Vyamoyin also, which is also the Roshetevis Vyar Maris Aviv Negde. That uh, Yesav saw the image of his father, which is how you're saying it, which is also true. Yesav is envisioning his father. How'd that make him feel? Oh, this is a father who supports me. It makes me feel good to see my father. There's also a double meaning. Maris Aviv Negda could mean Yesuf saw the image that his father held of him. He saw himself, right, Yuknoi, meaning how his father saw his image, meaning how the father, Yankiv, saw the son, Yesuf's image in his mind. In other words, I may at any given moment have a low opinion of myself, and I don't think that I'm equal to whatever test that I'm uh, that I'm uh, in the middle of, but uh, I know that there's someone who thinks of me and has a much higher opinion than that. And if I can see myself, or even if I can't see myself, Yosef was actually able to see it. But at least to know that there's someone who sees me this way, then uh, it brings out a whole new level of of strength. Okay, but but. 
just getting back to what I was saying before, and then we'll get to the questions. From, uh, but uh, you know, Hataka, how do you do that? How do you be that father who sees the perfect child? How do you see a perfect child? Who, who has a? No one has a perfect child. Even the children who Mitsuyonim who are good boys, good girls, they follow orders and they obey and, they're, and, they, and they, they get good grades and, and, and they, they do everything they're told. They, and they, they bench from a sither and angels. E- e- even them, they're not perfect. Not perfect. And we're saying, no, you should be able to see your child as perfect. Who are you fooling? Okay. So this is what I was saying before. Deep down, the essence of every year, this Yechid Hashem Nefesh, which is one with Hashem, not just connected to Hashem, but one with Hashem, and is perfect. And that's how the Kapata works for all of us. <laughs> so, it's a tall order. Yeah, it's a very lofty concept. But ultimately, that's what we're all relying on when it comes to uh, Yim Kippur. Maybe we don't know how Yim Kippur works. We took it for granted that it works. But I'm telling you how it works. The way that it works is that deep down, every one of us is perfect. So when you're envisioning your child, you have to try to picture them as a Yechidah Shabbanafish. You have to picture them not just as a nefesh or a ruach or a neshama or even chaya, you have to picture your child as they are getlichkeit. How do we picture such things? Well, I'll tell you something. Most people will, will go about their life and never even be challenged to have a need to try to envision such a concept. They'll dive in three times a day, and they'll say, Hashem, 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 plenty of times a day. But they won't really be pushed to have to envision. What does this look like? What does this mean? And 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 they'll, uh, I'm telling you, like Avi said at the beginning, when somebody who has no clue what they're talking about, the, the 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 nicest thing and the truest thing, it's not sarcastic, not passive aggressive. I don't think you meant it passive aggressively. Is I bench you that you should continue to never know. Really, honestly, you should you should really never know. But the concept of being able to look at a yid. Should I do the Lubavitcher test as a chelik alikami mal? I invented that. Avi invented that, by the way. Uh, yeah, trademark. The Mal, and then in the the Balatanian pedic base, he adds the word mamish. So that's Avi's Lubavitcher test to find out how many Lubavitchers are in the crowd. He'll say Chelikilikami Mal, and then hear a few people say mamish. You have to say the mamish part. Yeah. Or I use the word bapayal a lot. Yeah, but oh, as opposed to I never heard bapayil until uh, you know, that's Chabad. You're saying the havoda to say it with, with a pay with a no, I never used oh the with word the chelim or the, the term bchalal bapayil doesn't exist. Well, how do you get anything done if you don't do it bapayil? I don't know. Well, you don't have to do it. That's why litvax don't get stuff done. <laughs> bapayil, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, we do things but pile. But pile, yeah, you got to really do it. So, <clears throat> look. Hmm? It's not not difficult. Oh, <laughs> we got a new joke here. He says the darga of Chaya is not difficult. Avilda Chaya. This this is not the regular Judaism that most people are ever called upon to to practice, but it's not less than. This is not inferior. This is not bidyevid. This is actually the ideal. This is the way. Let me just say it, and I think a way that will make a lot of sense to some of you. This is the way that real tzaddikim do see other people. This is the way. The re- I'm not saying tzaddik, like, can you take me to the airport? Sure. Oh, you're a tzaddik. I mean, people who have an ability to see the real emes. The people who have Ruach HaKadosh and they give brachas and on a whole other level, this is how they see Jews. This is how they see Jews. How do you say, oh, nice nice uh, haircut when it's shaven and it's pink and mean it? How do you say, like, nice tattoo or, like, to, to really give over the feeling that, that I, I, I'm with you in your journey without judgment? There's, you know, this world is an alma de shikra. It means a false world. What does that mean? It means that things don't look like what they really are. So the whole concept, first of all, that we see a bria instead of the bayre. We look around, we see stuff instead of seeing Hashem. That's, that's the first clue to you that we live in an alma de shikra. Tzaddikim, they look around the world and they see Beira, they see Alakus, they see the Eivishter, they see Getlechkeit. When Mashiach comes, by the way, what's going to happen? All flesh will see. Not just Jews even, the whole world will see. That there's a Dvar Hashem, that Hashem is speaking everything into being. And they'll look in the world and everyone will see. And then it'll be easy for everyone to have Avas Yisrael. Because you'll see everyone's Neshama. And not just Neshama, and the, the Chaya and the Yechida. What, I, I'm not going to tell you what to do. First of all, you guys talk about that every single week. Second of all, you have your Das Torah. I know that everyone here has a Rav who guides them. And an, on a case-by-case basis, when you need to know what to do, you, you have guidance. So I'm, I'm not telling and you. And they're doing. And they're doing it. Not a, <laughs> yeah, Bepoil. Bepoil Mamish. So I'm not going to tell you what to do. But the question, as I understood it, was, okay, fine. I can do this, this TP stuff, with Kabbalah's oil. I can force myself to do it. Because, I don't know, I don't have any other 
bright ideas at this point. What, what choice do I have, you know? Or I could really buy into it. And I think it's important, I just want to pause for a second and just say as an aside. Well, I, I will actually, I'll ask it as a question. Does it make a difference? And I don't think the answer is going to be a yes or no. I think it's going to be more nuanced than that. But does it make a difference in the success and the effectiveness of the method how much of the, we'll call it the kavana, how much you actually are able to feel it as opposed to only just do it? Raise your hands if you think the answer to that question is yes, it makes a massive difference. Higher, higher, higher. Right, because you tried doing watching videos and and doing I'm doing TP. I I don't throw my kid out on the street and I don't you know I love him I love him so much and phew. Okay, raise your hand if you think no. It doesn't matter. Bottom line is you know you got the shiny iPhone and uh, they gave it to the kid and the kid is 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 not being thrown out of the street the street and he's really happy about that and he doesn't have to be thrown out and and, and so all my parents uh, maybe they don't think so much and we can get away with it anybody feel like that good cuz get the heck no I'm kidding no no I'm t- I, you're new <laughs> the problem is that um our kids are are so deep and sensitive and 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 they want they want pride shooting out of us, and you can't give them pride. After one of the trainings, and my favorite story, you guys know what I'm going to say, Bapoyo. I like that. Um, after one of the trainings, so th- these parents had this girl who doesn't wear clothing, who has a lot of piercings, a lot of tattoos, and isn't it interesting that besides first parents always give me the list of Averis, and then we get to, oh yeah, she was molested as a child, and they knew about it, and she was suicidal, she was in a few psych wars, she tried to kill herself, she has cuts, slices on her. I'd rather see a tattoo of a happy, smiley person than, than cuts that I tried to kill myself, even though the tattoos are also cause of pain. Our kids are not getting tattooed. A kid who had a happy life is not getting tattooed. A kid who grew up from. Actually, I have a friend of mine who's full of tattoos, and, and, and anger and stabbings and, you know, blood and, and skeletons. And I said, why don't you ever get a happy tattoo? You know? And the answer, obviously, when I'm happy, I don't need tattoos. It's when I want to die that I'm getting tattoos, right? But anyway, the next time, like, you know, he got a tattoo, came over to me, he said, look what I got. I got this for you. A smiley face. I, I, I was so touched. No one ever did that for me before. I'm like, wow, thank you. You know, if you're gonna do that, I think it's better. We've had some kids still getting tattoos, and they, one of them was "Family is Forever." So one of them has an anchor with, and it says, "Mom and Dad, you're my anchor." Nebuch, that they're still expressing themselves that way, but that's the medicine that that is needed to keep them alive. Blia and her, we're doing very well. So this guy comes to me Monday night for group after the training, and he tells me, Avi. I gave my daughter an iPhone. And I said, no. You gave your daughter a daddy. This girl was going for years until they came here feeling hated, feeling abandoned, feeling I'm all alone. And on top of all her pain of wanting to die because of what she went through, and on top of trying to survive, she looks up at the and that makes her want to kill herself. And that's why she kept overdosing and in rehabs and all of that. 
and her parents who would do anything for her and love her, love her so much, were pushing her into the ground. I said, no, you gave her a daddy. And I didn't know how true it was. She, after that, changed his name. His name in her contact list in her phone used to be Satan. How could you live if you look at your father and you think of your father and you put in Satan and the mother's name was Satan's mistress? And after the first bomb, that first iPhone with the letter, it's not the gifts, we're not buying love, we're opening the channel so you can believe that I really love you. She changed the contact number to daddy and mommy. Five years of therapy would have taken for that. One iPhone. I don't get paid by Apple. But I probably should. I mean, I sell a lot of iPhones. We don't give the stuff to the kids because we want them to have it. They'll have it anyway. But we're giving it to them as a gesture so you can believe that me, the one who was, especially if you were rough and tough until now, but I, I, I want you to have everything that you want from me. That's how we get rid of the sugar daddies, and that's how we get rid of the, a lot of stuff that we get rid of. How it becomes real, it must become real. So in the beginning, have, have. You know, if Hashem gives us money and stuff and He doesn't really mean it, we're okay with that. <laughs> okay, we'll take it. But they need our hearts. Besides that, we're not Academy Award actors. You'll give the beautiful thing, but then they'll see that, that, that face. There's a father that was here and told his wife, I don't know what you're complaining about me, honey. Guys, you're on. You're, you should know that by now. Yeah. It's okay. He, he, t- he says, I, I get along with him fine. I, get, I, never, I haven't in six months since we went to that other guy. I didn't criticize him. She says, you haven't looked at him in six months. You think he doesn't know that you avoid him? You think they don't know that... Your arm is not around them, and I'm proud. I, I, you have to be proud of this kid. How? Same way you're proud of every kid with physical illness, even though they're not davening and they're not learning, and they they're could be cursing you out sometimes, and they're in a lot of pain. But if it's physical illness, your pride is there with them. My baby, my baby, my boy, my boy. The Nesiva Shalom, who says, there's a marshal brought down. Let's everybody together at the same time put our phones on silent. Thank you. He, he brings down a marshal many times to a king that had two kids. One was a, a, a chacham. This prince is, is a, has a province and they're rich over there and they're thriving. He's making, um, he's making peace treaties with different countries. There's import exports going on. Everything's great. This guy is, this prince is unbelievable. He comes into his father and he says, okay, I'm leaving. It was a great vacation with you. I need a hundred billion rubles, whatever. And the father, sure, open up the, the, the vault. My son, my beloved, the, the eyes, nachas, pouring out of the eyes for that kid. Comes home with a hundred, nachas wall. Eyes are, are shooting out nachas. He says, but then there's also a troubled kid. And the troubled kid can't. His province, the father keeps on having to bail him out, to do a bailout. The kid are going bankrupt. He keeps on messing up with the, with the peace with the neighboring uh, provinces. And he's, he, he's, he's a slow, he's slow, he's a low yitzlach. He's not matzliach. He says in the Sivashalom, but when that kid comes in and he says, uh, you know, Dad, uh, 
I need a hundred billion ruble because I am at war with the people. I want to appease them. I got poor people, and he's a yitzlach. It 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 also awakens rachamim in the father. A different rachamim, not I'm so proud of you. Please take all my money. You're amazing, but I gotta help this kid because if I don't help him, he'll never make it on his own. We come to Yom Kippur, we come to Shoshanim, we come to Yom Kippur. Tzadikim, they give Hashem so much nachas. What do we give Hashem? I wasn't the only guy in shul going like this. To the guy next to me, right? He was crying, al-chait, a half an hour each al-chait. He was crying so bad. I started to get jealous of what sins he did last year. We're not perfect and we're not like our grandparents. We're not like our great grandparents. We don't, why, why do we think that? Like, we are now the standard, you know, Hashem has to accept us. And we have to accept our kids and see that if, 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 if we're not gonna help them, they can't make it on their own. And all of you have stories already when you baked in the love and you made them feel that I admire you and I'm proud to be your dad. That's the medicine. And you have to mean it. And you have to dive into Hashem. Help me mean it. And speak to all the black belts that will help you get there. But do it. Do, 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 do. Don't send your wife shopping. A guy who sends his secretary to buy an anniversary gift for his wife, not a school of arichas yomim. You got to go shopping. Equal mom and dad. You got to write. The mother writes a whole three-page letter. Dad writes, me too. No. Equal writing from dad. No, but I don't know how to share. Learn how to share to save your kid's life. A, a, a cheat sheet is you go to the Hallmark session, section and you, you see a Hallmark card that you like, you buy it, or you go online, but you don't give it. You write that on an empty card. It's good. Yeah, it's good, right? Mm. And when you do it and you, and you give up for your kid... The Shavish of Ahav is have. You give time, money, and energy. You will feel it as a Hashem. We have to become Himmeldik. We have to become, we gotta get out of it. It's true, it's embarrassing. I tell you, when you have a kid who's embarrassing you, don't look over your shoulder. You're gonna do it for 10 years, looking over your shoulder. Ooh, uh, uh, we had a father before coming to me that told his son, who we picked up from rehab after he tried to kill himself in an overdose, the kid came back from rehab, he pulled to his nice neighborhood, told the kid, do me a favor, put the hoodie over your head and run inside, nobody should see you. There was another kid that somebody saw the father with the kid, not TP, and the father said, oh, he's he came to paint my house. The exact opposite of what, because even a healthy kid who thinks, a, a top kid, who feels that my parents think I'm a letdown, is going to end up messed up in a thousand ways. You can end up in therapy your whole life. Like the story of those three old ladies. Three old ladies in therapy, not in therapy, three old ladies, 95 years old, and one of them says, my son is the best son in the whole world. For my birthday, he got me a car. Wow, unbelievable. The other one says, eh, my son is even better. For my birthday, you know what he did? He got me a helicopter. I can fly back and forth. He's amazing. The other one says, nah, my son loves me more than both of your kids. My son told me every week he goes four times a week to therapy and all he talks about is me. (laughs) Takes a lifetime to get out of the trauma that my parents aren't proud to be my parents. 
Puppies are loved by their fathers and mothers, and animals have parents who love them, and our kids should feel and need to feel, and you gotta work on yourself until you can see the panemius, the panemius, and to mean it. I have to go to Capatas, I have to do the, to swing oh, the chickens. I to say. So, I told the parents, don't look over your shoulder, because once everybody knows it's your kid, we had, we had a parent that did a, a chasan, a chasan in Eretz Yisrael. And they dance in all Hasidim, you know, 500 Hasidim around. And in the middle, it looks like the father's dancing with one of the waiters. with his son. But once you do that, by the way, it's not 1986 anymore. Now all the smart people, not to be smart, well, most people will say, people are sick and tired of hearing about another 20-year-old who had a heart attack. Because they know it's not really a heart attack. We're sick and tired of losing Jews. People say, no, that's, that's gavura. So my advice is, right, you go outside with your son or even more, a son without a yarmulke and the way he looks, or a girl without... I said, they're not really not sneers. They're just a bucky in Hilcha Sukkah. Loif, Lovud, Loif and Akuma, Gorachis, Gorasik. Walk around the block three times and say, Zeh Kaparasi, Zeh Tmurasi, Zeh Khalifasi. You walk around and you say, yep, this is mine, this is mine, this is what Hashem gave me. You never have to worry about your neighbors, you never have to worry about anybody talking about you, you just go outside, yeah, this is what it is. And daven and do, the five T's, Tayra, Tvila, Tshuva, Tzaka, TP. Neighbors is all health in that, we'll see Yiddish and Achas from all of your offspring. And we'll grow from it. Closing words, or arguments, or anything. The, the, the bracha is, you, you, um, you, you're going to get many brachas. I'll give you a bracha I don't think other people are going to give you. And by the way, everything that you do for your children, you don't need brachas from anyone else. The Abishta sees what you're doing, and the love that you show your children, that's the love that the Abishta is pouring upon you. Okay? <laughs> But I'll give you a bracha because I'm not, I'm not sure you'll hear this from anyone else. And that is that everyone that's in this room that already paid the price of admission, nobody comes to this class and pays tuition after. You paid the tuition and then you come to this class. Everyone who earned their seat here should step up as leaders in our community to teach others what Amunah means, what Avasisro means, Please, please, you paid a hell of a price to learn this. Please step up and share it. Not just with your example, which is so important, but explain a little bit of the Hasbara. Explain to others. My bracha to you is that uh, you should have the courage to share it.